Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wit and Whiskey cast. I don't know why my voice just cracked. I am <laughs> over the age of 30. <laughs> I, of course, am DJ Gagney, your resident rookie dad, and uh, I am here with my co-host, who I may have just killed, Mark Rossetti. <laughs> Okay, so everybody at home is wondering why the hell this is so funny. This is our second attempt at an opening. Uh, DJ counted us in the first time and then just belched into the mic. So after we got done giggling over that, he counts us in a second time and then his left testicle decides to drop all of a sudden after 34 years. Oh, and I may be a little broken. Um, But yeah, hi, everybody. Hey, after 90 episodes, you have to excuse us. We're going to get a little slappy here today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little slap happy of an episode. And Mark took way too long tonight, so I'm already halfway into my cocktail. Well, hey, you know, I, I took a long time today because I had several extracurricular activities. I had meetings upon meetings after work today. But thankfully, the last two were both at uh, bars. So I'm also a few in tonight already, folks. So, hey. <laughs> so what you been up to since the last time we recorded, man? Oh, God, just everything and nothing. You know, a lot of work stuff, a lot more work in the garage. Uh, we had to work on the Cosworth because, you know, TJ, you'll like this. You're a computer guy. I am. Uh, the Cosworth Vega was one of the first cars in America, anyway, to have an onboard electronic brain, to have an onboard computer. You know, before that, it was all carburetors and, you know, manual adjustments and smoking cigarettes and grunting at things. <laughs> So this was the first, you know, modern car to actually have just an attempt at a computer do everything. And so it has relays, but these are like 1974 relays. So they're like mechanical and they stick open and they stick closed. So I actually had to do work on a circuit board from the 70s this weekend. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, It was pretty wild. The old man wouldn't let me take a picture of it. He's like, oh, get off your goddamn phone. But, man, there's just a lot of transistors and resistors and just so much solder. I mean, I, I think if you, like, picked up a circuit board and hit somebody in the head with it, just all the solder would just, it would be like a nail bomb. <laughs> That's amazing. So we, we have that. I, I've also just been locked here in the 1821 studios. I mean, I don't talk about it a lot because I know you get slappy, but... I'm on so many podcasts now. (laughs) Um, I think I'm on four. It might be five. I don't even know. And this this episode is a personal milestone for me today. We figured it all out. This is the 125th episode of any podcast I've recorded. That's amazing. So that's kind of fun. There's over 200 hours of my voice out on the internet if you Google me. So if you really hate yourself, have fun, folks. Yeah, I, I only do the one podcast, uh, which is the one we're talking about today. It is, and, you know, it's it, it's a good thing. I, I'm i going on vacation next week. I have nothing packed. I have nothing ready. I have, the, the like, the tickets and the registration. That's it. I have nothing else fucking ready to go. It's hilarious. Where are you um, going? We're going to the uh, GM Nationals. It's about two hours from here. It's a big car show slash race slash swap meet slash... Bunch of guys in tweed jackets stand in a field and go, hmm. Uh, I've gone many times just as a spectator, just as a guy walking around buying stuff, never taken a car before, never camped down there before, but we just said, the hell with it, and let's drop $1,000 and see what happens. 
And the camper's not back from the camper repair place. The Cosworth needs a new brain. I have nothing packed. Eh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I I assume you going to a car show is kind of like me going to an anime convention. And l- much like my cosplay, your cars are probably right down to the wire. Generally, yes. I mean, there's been a few times we've actually put them back together at shows and at races. So um, it, it's nothing necessarily new. I had plans to drive this one because it's basically just interstate 81 the whole way because like you can literally go from maine to florida on 81 if you know what you're doing Mm. and since it's just pretty much just due south of my house i had planned on just taking 81 and have the old man bring the camper along but i I don't know plans might change i might be renting a rollback i will see (laughs) what about you buddy what have you done the last week or so uh i mean it's just been kind of crazy with work stuff we um I can't even like begin. I can't even figure out where to begin to describe work stuff right now. But it, it's it's my continuing like I'm trying to do twelve months of work in nine so that I can you know take the rest of the year off once our mystery guest arrives. Um, but other than that, it's all been house stuff. Uh, I finished. Knock on wood, I finished painting. I think I'm done. Lies. Yeah, I uh, I finished the office last weekend, and then this this more immediate last weekend, this past weekend, I uh, finished up the little hallway and the closet, and the closet looks like a piece of shit, but who cares? I'm just going to put some nice shelving in there and some trim and call it good. Uh, I definitely was not as careful this past weekend with my tarp, so I do have some... Uh, isopropyl alcohol and some, uh, uh, what are those, um, the, those miracle eraser, magic eraser things coming so I can actually get some of the paint off of the linoleum. Uh, and yeah, I feel like it's going to be like two, maybe three more weeks and then I'm going to order my desk and get set up in there. So, uh, that'll feel really nice. The yellow is really pretty. Well, that's good. I mean, it's going to be fun keeping it clean. You know, it's fine. It's it's a computer area. It's not, you know, I, I'm not going to have engines hanging off the ceiling. Also true, but I mean, you know, when said mystery guest arrives, there may be sticky fingers. Yes, and there may be a lock on that door. That's probably a good call. <laughs> yeah. What are you drinking tonight, buddy? So, we don't actually often, I think we've only done it like, twice drink the same thing at all much less in the same season so i was out running around getting x y and z and they had a giant fishbowl a literal fishbowl filled of nips of jameson orange oh man now i remember your review and how you weren't particularly crazy about it and i don't really much care for irish whiskey or jameson you know, in of itself. I mean, it's fine, but it's out of four different types of whiskey. Uh, it's going to be, you know, number four. Uh, and I don't like flavored stuff. And I, I like oranges, but orange flavoring is usually pretty hit or miss. So mm-hmm. I decided to mix it with some tonic water. And it's not bad. Uh, of course, you know, technically, there's no actual whiskey in here because as you established during your review, this is a liqueur. 
Got a whopping 60 proof. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but, man, I uh, have, like, little small airplane-sized bottles of tonic water and, you know, one nip, one little bottle of tonic water and some ice because it's hotter than get-all today. It is still so fucking sweet. Yeah. It is so fucking orangey. <laughs> it's so, it's like candy. I mean, I literally probably could have mixed this with like a whole bottle of Dasani and it wouldn't have diluted it at no, all. It's aggressively orange. So it's fine. I think maybe like two little nips would probably be fun in a pitcher of something. But as a one-to-one drink, I'm not having it. I can't even imagine drinking it neat like I normally do. Holy shit. Uh, But it's fine. I'm sure the wife would probably have loved it. Maybe I should have had her review it. Uh, But yeah, eh. maybe to mix with a mimosa, maybe do like champagne, orange juice, and a little bit of this, give it a mimosa with a kick. That could be fun. Mm. But just overall... Yeah, I mean, one to ten, it's like a solid five. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like an orange-flavored lollipop. Yeah, kind of, but without the Tootsie Center. Yeah. Ooh, if you mix this with something chocolatey, could you make a Tootsie Pop out of it? Mm, I wonder if you could do, uh, like, a boiler maker with a shot of Jameson Orange and, like, a chocolate stout. Hmm. Now I'm intrigued. But yeah, so I'm sipping on this. It basically is kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it. Basically, like I was going to say orange juice, but that's not accurate. Basically, if you have a real orange, a raw orange, and you cut it into slices, as you cut it, you get like the actual straight juice from the orange on your fingers. That taste. Mm-hmm. That's what it tastes like. Just a little bit more watery. Yeah. There's no alcohol flavor whatsoever. There's no whiskey flavor whatsoever. Good, bad, or indifferent. Yes, I remember it well. So, yeah, so I think the Jameson people are over too with the, with the Witten Whiskey on their orange stuff. But, hey, they're selling it by the fishbowl, quite literally. Uh, what about you, brother? What are you drinking this week? Well, I think this is the closest we've ever been to drinking zero whiskey on this well, podcast. No, we did the martini episode. We did do the martini, but that was planned. True. Um, so, uh, I decided to, that it was, it's kind of a warm night and I wanted a nice shaken iced, um, cocktail. So I made a Japanese slipper. Have you ever had one of these? I, um, are you talking about the little wood sandal things? Cause I've worn them a few times. No, no, I'm talking about the cocktail. Then no. So the Japanese slipper is, uh, an ounce and a half each of... Uh, some orange liqueur, some melon liqueur, and lemon juice. That's it. Super easy. Shake it. Put it into a martini glass. I didn't shake it. I didn't stir it. I did shake it. Um, And then you drop in a cocktail cherry. And it comes out just aggressively green. Uh, It definitely looks like if you liquefied Slimer. (laughs) Uh, But it doesn't taste like Slimer. Uh, it's really good. Um, y- you know me, Mark. I my my trash liquor is Midori, and it's one of my favorites. So uh, I went with Midori and Grand Marnier tonight. Uh, try to switch it up. I usually uh, pull for the triple sec um, or the Cointreau, but I, I went with Grand Marnier tonight, and it's it's a great cocktail. 
Um, I, I was down to my last lemon slice to get the, uh, the lemon juice in here. So um, uh, I just barely was able to make this cocktail tonight. And then I treated myself and added a couple of extra cherries because uh, I keep forgetting I have a jar of Luxardo cherries and they are really fucking good. You know, we've gotten a couple new members at St. Conrad's and uh, they are also big fans of Midori. So I've gotten actually pretty good at making Midori sours, which interestingly enough was the uh, featured house beverage at Studio 54 for those of you of disco era age that mm. listen to this podcast. But yeah, trash liquor is a pretty good way to describe it. It's another one that the, it tastes like it smells and the smell permeates everything. <laughs> it does, yeah. So, I, I mean, if you like melon liqueur, I mean, go nuts. This is a great cocktail. I feel like you would even like this one Maybe not drinking them every night, but um, the the orange and the melon definitely are offset by just the pure lemon juice. I mean, that, that lemon kicks you in the tongue. So it, it's a good cocktail if you're not quite feeling like something like a melon martini or, you know, something just hyper sweet. Um, offsetting this with lemon juice is a really good idea. So I love this. I, I, it, it gets the, the A plus from me. Well, there you have it. What do you got for whiskey news? It is a sad day. One of the great feel-good stories of the world has officially come to an end. This very day, the article is only nine hours old as we're recording this. The whiskey war has officially come to an end after 49 years. Oh, are, are, are you familiar with this? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about when I say the whiskey war? Let's say no. <laughs> now, when you Google this, you actually have to, uh, you have to take the E out of whiskey. So there's, there's no E in whiskey for this. But basically, uh, it is over the disputed Hans Island, H-A-N-S Island, which is off the coast of Greenland. Now, what makes this interesting is that both Canada and Greenland sit exactly 18 kilometers away from this just, frankly, barren rock. Just imagine, like, a giant floating boulder with a little bit of snow on it, and that's exactly what Hans Island is. And it's a tiny thing, too. It's not even a square mile. It's 0.7 of a square mile. Now, uh... In 1973, they actually, Canada and Denmark settled their boundaries on the Nares Strait, which is just a channel that goes between the two countries and into the Arctic Ocean. But that was when they realized that Hans Island laid flat in the middle of it. It's basically just, imagine an island in a river, but just bigger. That's kind of what this is. So they both laid claim to it, and in 1973, they said, hey, well, you know, we both have this. This is a disputed territory. We're, we'll figure it out eventually. We'll go through the International Court of Appeal, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And for 12 years, nothing really happened. They would have meetings. They would have negotiations. They would have this and that, and nothing really happened. And both sides continued to claim it. So that in 1984, the Whiskey Wars began when Canada invaded Hans Island. They sent a troop carrier ship up. They unloaded armed Canadian 
uh, Marines, and they went to the center of this tiny-ass island, and they stuck a Canadian flag in the center, and they put a bottle of Canadian whiskey at the base of the flag. <laughs> and thus began, for the next 37 years, an active war where one side will invade, plant their flag, leave a bottle of whiskey. The other side will invade, remove the flag, plant their flag, take the bottle of whiskey for themselves, and leave a bottle of either Danish whiskey or Canadian whiskey and vice versa. Uh, it has become a tourist site uh, where there are just numerous tattered flags of both countries, loads of empty bottles, people bring their own whiskey. Uh, but unfortunately today, they have agreed to split the island uh, along a naturally occurring rocky outcrop. <laughs> and once this is formally signed off on, uh, they will actually have established, Canada and Denmark will have established the world's largest maritime border at just under 4,000 kilometers. <laughs> um, but this was actually a fun little bit of trivia that was going on because it technically was an active state of, if not war, conflict between these two countries where literally not a single shot had been fired. It was like one of those feel-good stories. And, uh, yeah, it's over now, which kind of stinks. But I don't know, maybe they'll actually send, like, you know, units there and they'll just trade whiskey now. I don't know, like hand-to-hand. -hand. Yeah, I, I, am I reading it here right that the Danish would occasionally leave aquavits? Yeah, yeah, they would do that. There's, I don't know how true it is, but I've heard stories that the Canadians would lead poutine, which I can't imagine would you know go bad pretty quickly, I guess. But yeah, I mean, there's there's been all kinds of fun with it because it's basically been a prank war, essentially, over this rock. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, I haven't tried much Canadian whiskey, but I have tried Aquavit, and woof, that is an acquired taste. <laughs> Yeah, it makes you think, like, if we ever got into a situation like that, what would we leave? Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, you know, I mean, the Scots would probably have it the easiest. Like, they would probably win any any whiskey war like that. I mean, we could always leave Bird Dog. Oh, no, then it would turn into a real war. <laughs> <laughs> you want to turn it into a shooting war real fast, leave some Bird Dog. <laughs> All right, what about you? What are you doing for Tools of the Trade? Well, I thought that I honestly thought I had already covered this topic, but um, turns out I haven't, which is kind of bonkers. So I figured uh, in celebration of our wonderful topic, which you get to be nice and quiet on today, <laughs> I'm giving Mark <laughs> a break this week. Um, I figured I would talk about kid cocktails or how to change a cocktail into a mocktail, which I honestly could have sworn I had already done this. Um, You've dabbled on it with a few of your uh, specific ones. Like yeah. I know when we talked about pitchers, we had talked about it a little bit, but you've never just done a specific uh, tools of the trade just on it. Yeah, so I, I thought a lot about this because m my wife doesn't drink at all. Um, so anytime I want to make her uh, something, I have to figure out how to turn it into a mocktail. And there's definitely some, some cocktails out there that are absolutely impossible to turn into mocktails. Uh, I think if you've been listening to the Wit and Whiskey for a while now, you know my opinion on the liquor substitutes, uh, at least the ones I've tried. Uh, so if you're going for something that's, that's spirit forward, uh, a martini, an old fashioned, a Manhattan, uh, you know, even a sidecar, um, 
you're not going to make a mocktail out of that. Like you, if you take the, the vodka or gin out of a martini and then you take the vermouth out of the martini, you're left with air and yeah. maybe an olive. So Or a pickled onion if you're really old. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there are things that you can do uh, in, in those kind of scenarios, right? Like if you wanted to, I mean, just make a play on cocktails and put something fun that you've mixed together in a, in a, a martini glass for the kids. Uh, they do make disposable martini glasses. They make plastic martini glasses. That could be fun. Um, you know, it's like a, a, a nighttime version of the tea party. Uh, but generally, things that you're going to substitute out. So if you're making like a, a big mixed drink and it has a, flavored, a flavor profile, like a, a wine spritzer. Okay, well, grape juice and wine aren't strictly the same thing. But frankly, the kid's not really going to know any better. So if you're going to make a, a, let's say, a white wine spritzer, you can, you know, swap it out for, uh, you know, white grape juice. You can add in some soda water. Uh, you can do some nice little fruit in there to float around. Uh, there's some fun things you can do there. Um, grenadine uh, is a great introduction to mocktails. Everyone I know has had a Shirley Temple or a Roy Rogers. Uh, you can amp that stuff up with some fresh fruit if you want to. Um, you can try uh, experimenting with uh, grenadine and some other things. Uh, I've been told that if you add a little bit of grenadine to root beer, it starts to taste pretty close to Dr. Pepper. Uh, so there's some interesting hmm. things you can do there. I'm going to have to try that. Right? Uh, and then there's a lot that you can do with uh, cocktails that are uh, liqueur-forward, which is why I drank a Japanese slipper tonight, uh, because you can very easily make this a mocktail. Um, if you puree some, some melon uh, and add some orange juice and some lemon juice, you basically have a virgin Japanese slipper. Uh, there's... A lot of cocktails that have virgin, uh, virgin, virgin versions of themselves. I can't, I'm not going to be able to say that five times fast. Um, so things like the pina colada and the strawberry daiquiri, everybody knows you can get a virgin one of those at most restaurants uh, that offer the alcoholic versions. Um, honestly, at this point, I feel like the one time I ordered a pina colada, they asked, they actually asked me if I wanted a virgin one. Uh, or if I wanted it boozy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. No one's ever asked me that before. But it's it's ubiquitous enough in our culture. Um, you can do a lot with sangrias. Uh, sangria generally is like a wine and maybe a brandy and, and some other things. And then just a fuck ton of fruit and maybe some sparkling water. Um, anytime you're going to introduce wine into a cocktail, just swap it out for grape juice. Kids love it. Uh, and then you can do things like, okay, well, kid doesn't know any better. Might as well swap the brandy for some apple juice. And then just load it up with some fun fruit, add some sparkling water, uh, and, and you're off to the races with like a, a nice little pitcher there. Uh, you can do some interesting things to simulate a whiskey cocktail by using just iced tea. Um, some of those may not be fun for the kids because by its very nature, you're not going to be adding a lot of sweetness there. Um, but you could probably figure out an old fashioned, maybe uh, a little bit of cherry juice, 
some some iced tea and I don't know um, some simple syrup, you know, something silly like that. And your kids can be drinking something that looks like what you're drinking. So there's a lot of different options out there. Uh, look for things that are fruit flavored or maybe uh, herbal in nature. There's definitely some really good recipes out there for like uh, virgin mojito lemonades or limeades. Uh, going with fruit juices, citrus juices uh, are a great way to have fun with the kids and add, add some sparkly stuff in there. Bring in your your seven ups and your ginger ales. Um, you know, if, if you're having a Long Island iced tea, well, maybe just give the kid a Cuba Libre without the the vodka or something, right? You know, the, a, a slice of lime goes a long way for little kids. So that gives you a lot of different options. Um, experiment with different kinds of fruit juices. You can go fresh fruit juices. You can you can, I mean, if you're of the health-minded side of things, you can even juice like spinach and carrots and things like that and kind of go the smoothie route. Um, for my money, if you're going to make a fancy mocktail, might as well make it fruit forward. So, yeah, that's uh, that's how to make cocktails into mocktails in, a, uh, in like three minutes. And that's, you know, a lot of fun for the kids, like you said. And you don't have to, you know, you could even be like me. You don't have to have kids. You can have nieces or nephews or uh, god kids or whatever <laughs> that's worth, you know, these these days. But my uh, my nieces are often curious when they come over that, you know, why do I always have a glass of brown stuff in my hand? <clears throat> and I have to tell them Uncle Mark's always very tired. <laughs> It's the only thing that gets them through the day. <laughs> and the wife usually yells at me. <sighs> that's amazing. But all right, so that's a pretty good segue into our topic. And uh, for those of you at home play, you know, that are playing along with us, uh, try to keep track over the next hour of how many mm-hmms, <laughs> damn, that's crazy, and oh, yes, I throw in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, send us a running tally, you know, the witandwhiskeycast, gmail.com. Yeah, uh, so the, this is our new drinking game. Uh, see how, how uh, closely Mark is paying attention in this episode. I purposely did not make myself a second drink because I did not want to get bombed by the time you were finished. <laughs> All right, so our topic today is babies and child rearing i guess there's going to be more episodes in this topic sorry mark uh this, this hey i always never say no to a week off yeah so, yeah know, hey. this is going to be part one of i'm i'm assuming an irregular series at this point uh all right so where it stands today um my wife is 26 weeks pregnant uh which Sounds pretty impressive, and then it sounds kind of panic-inducing when you realize that means there's, like, a little over 13 weeks left until birth. So it's like two and a half months. You're fine. Yeah, uh, so we are firmly... I think we're, like, a few days away, actually, from being firmly in the third trimester. Um, so, uh, interesting fact uh, that I didn't learn until way, uh, way into our pregnancy, probably, like four or five weeks. Um, the timer for, cause it, the pregnancies are measured by 39 weeks, basically. Um, some, some counts round up to 40. We're not going to get into it. 
but the counter for when you start counting the 39 weeks is actually two weeks before conception. Did you know this, Mark? No. no. Yeah. How does that work? Explain. Um, it's because you start counting the 39 slash 40 weeks from the beginning of the the uh, person who is carrying the baby's last menstrual cycle. And it might take two weeks, up to two weeks, to actually get pregnant within that window. So uh, that's that's the fun part about all of this, uh, is it's the, the beginning of the last men- menstrual cycle, or the end of the... Yeah, it's, it's all the same thing. Uh, so when we say that it takes 40 weeks to make a baby, it actually takes between 37 and 38 by the, uh, from the date of conception. But the reason why they count from the end of the last menstrual cycle is because it's really hard to pinpoint the exact day that conception happened. So they just, I, that I've heard. Yeah, so, so they, just, they just go from a, a date that they can actually you know, measure from. Uh, so when I was doing bar napkin math at the beginning of the pregnancy, I ended up being just a single day off of our actual due date, uh, which I was pretty impressed with myself. Um, so I'm not going to go into a, the nitty gritties of being pregnancy. Today's episode is specifically going to be about the journey that I have been on as a future dad, um, because my wife is the one carrying the kids, so I'm doing everything else. Uh, you know, once we once we get to you know after the birth, it'll be a little bit more of you know a partnership of us doing the same kind of thing. But she's pulling the vast majority of the weight, so I'm doing all the research and I'm doing the you know setting up the nursery. So I'm just kind of bringing some stuff to the table that I've found out. Uh, so the first section here that I wanted to cover is books. And uh, Mark, books for dads just in general suck. Well, I mean, you say that, but uh, I, you know, knowing you and knowing your likes and dislikes, I, you know, everybody poops. You probably hate. Uh, you know, no, what was that other one? Nobody poops but you. That's not very popular. But you <laughs> probably hate that one. Uh, I don't remember how the rest of that bit goes. <laughs> No, I specifically mean books that are meant for prospective dads trying to figure out things about pregnancy. Uh, well, because we don't know shit about fuck. We don't we know do shit the- about fuck, but they're also all really... They're either super nasty or they're super condescending. And there is... doesn't I've, like, picked up and read through a couple of dozen parenting or pregnancy books at this point... And all the ones that are written for women are super empathetic and caring and informative. And all the ones for dads are like, so you bumped uglies and got abroad pregnant. Good for you. (laughs) I literally read that in one of the pregnancy books I bought. And I got 10 pages later, realized that the book had made 10 uh, sports metaphors that I completely missed and then threw it across the room and just picked back up uh, what to expect when we were expecting. Yeah, well, I mean, Nick's writing pregnancy books now, apparently. He is. Cool. Shout out to Nick. We bought your book. God damn it. It was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) 
now I kind of want to read it. So <laughs> they, I mean, you know, one man's trash and all that. Uh, so ultimately, uh, if you find yourself in a position like mine and you are of the, of the same mindset of mine, which is, I want to know as much as possible. And who boy was sex ed in Catholic high school, not helpful for any of this. So I have a lot to learn. So I picked up, uh, what to expect with when you're expecting, which is basically the American pregnancy Bible. It's like. 900 it's a 900 page brick of just here's everything you could possibly think of and more uh, and the nice part is it kind of puts there's like a section right at the back of the book that's here's everything that could go wrong so you don't have to actually read that shit if you don't want to i'm skipping that section we're just gonna do we're just gonna deal with the whatever pops up uh, so that's those my are, boy. Uh, that's a good book, and it's an entire franchise. So I did pick up what to expect when the kids won, what to ex- expect when the kids two. Um, I don't. I'll probably just leave through those to get some tips or be like, "Why the fuck is my kid still screaming uh, at two in the morning?" Uh, some other books that I picked up. I picked up one uh, called "Make Ahead Baby Food Cookbook: Meal Plans and Recipes for Every Stage," and I don't know how much baby food I'll actually be making. Um, but it's good to know like what the rough stages are. So it'll be useful to, um, I, I've, I've kind of leafed through it. There's some good imagery in there. There's some good recipes and it just kind of gives you a rough estimate of like when you can introduce different kinds of food, you know, when things that can be solid and when they have to be mush and, you know, when you might be able to give them some torn up chicken and, and that was super useful. Um, uh, again, cause I, I don't know shit. Uh, there's a bunch of books out there on baby sign language. Did you know anything about this, Mark? I, you know, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law both have, they each have uh, two kids, uh, three, four kids total, two, three girls and a boy. And they were kind of dabbling in this. Like they do something if they want more, or they do something else if they're, want a bottle or I didn't understand any of it. They would start to explain it and then blood would start coming out of my nose and I'd need to lay down for a while. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of like, I feel like there's a lot of crunchy, like new age kind of bullshit that can go into parenting, uh, that I don't necessarily ascribe to a lot of it. So I'll give you like the two sentence sentence pitch on baby sign language when we move on. Um, it just makes it easier to communicate with them sooner. And they are really receptive to small, uh, small signs. You know, they're not going to be communicating the Iliad through sign language, but you know, it, it helps you understand what they need. It gets them to a point where they can communicate sooner than if they didn't have it. And that's about it. So that's my like two or three sentence pitch on baby sign language. I'm, I, I've read a little bit of one of the books. There's some of them out there that have like, here's 200 things you can teach your your baby for sign language. And I'm like, it, most of the parents I know who have actually done it are like, you might get 20. And that's good enough. And that helps them start communicating. And I was like, cool, that's good to know. So it's something I'm interested in. I don't know how far we'll go down it. It's, you know, every kid is receptive to different things. 
the last book I picked up is called Wonder Weeks. Uh, it, it's kind of up there with what to expect in terms of a lot of parents are reading it. Uh, and it, it's, I feel like, Mark, it is literally written for people like you and I who just don't know fucking shit. And it's super useful to just read it and be like, hey, when your kid's like six weeks old, here's something that they might be getting into. Uh, good for you to know. Like, and it, it's like your kid might start walking around here and your kid might start crawling around here and they might start rolling over around here. And it's all of that useful stuff of like, there's no reason I would know this. And it's just kind of useful background information. Yeah, having a rough outline would be worth its weight in gold. Yeah, and that's what I like it for. It, it's a it's smaller than what to expect. Uh, it's pretty deep in, in how it goes. Again, I'm leafing through a lot of the books just to get... I don't think that the books are going to make me perfect, and I don't think I'm going to know everything, but I can't tell you how little context I have going into being a dad. And that's a little terrifying. So um, if you're going to get any books, I definitely get what to expect in Wonder Weeks. And then if you're feeling up to learning some more baby sign language and that make ahead baby food, pretty useful. Uh, if you're a dad, don't bother getting any parenting books written exclusively for dads. They're all terrible in the U.S. Uh, all right. Baby registries, uh, really quick. There is a site called My Registry, and they do more than just baby registries. They also do, like, wedding registries and things like that. Uh, I think you can do, like, registries for graduating college and moving out, uh, which might be a, a thing that people are doing now. Uh, My Registry is useful because it can sync registries from other websites so i whenever somebody says hey do you have a registry i hand them my link to my registry uh and then i have specific registries at amazon and at target amazon is the in general here's everything that i will need before the baby's born and then target i keep for um anything that's disposable diapers wipes, shampoo, things like that, uh, because we have a Target near us, and Target does some interesting things of, like, if you buy $100 worth of baby stuff, they just hand you a $25 gift card. Yeah, Target was is pretty awesome. Uh, when Annie and I got married, we registered at three different places, <clears throat> Macy's, Target, and I don't remember what the hell the third one was. And the other two places, you had to sit down with a registry consultant and go through this, that, and the other thing. Target literally just handed you a scanner. Yeah. And just said, go through the store, and whatever the hell you scan shows up on your registry. And uh, we almost didn't get married because I was enjoying myself too much, and our Target sells groceries. <laughs> so I was, like, scanning, like, a gallon of milk, <laughs> like, a six-pack of Coke and shit. And Annie was not amused. <laughs> Did anybody show up to your wedding with a six-pack of Coke? No, she actually made me go. You could go on the website and remove stuff. She actually <laughs> made me take it all off. But it was a lot of fun that Saturday when we were just running through the store with a scanner. That's hilarious. I, I definitely feel like the whole baby registry experience has super changed. A, since Toys, uh, Toys R Us closed down because now there's no Babies R Us. And B, since COVID. So I just did everything online. Um, I will say it took me like two months to get my registry together. 
because uh, like all of these websites, they have baby registry checklists and they're like, all right, you're going to need, here's a section for travel. And there's like a stroller and a car seat and a play yard and blah, 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 blah. And as you add things to your registry, it checks it off. And then you can see like how close you've gotten to completing your checklist. And on Amazon, if you complete your checklist, then they will send you uh, like a $35 box full of free baby shit. So I think we got like a free bottle, a free um, pacifier, a free receiving blanket, and then like a, uh, I think a free onesie. And there's a couple of coupons and samples in there too. And I must uh, throw out a disclaimer here though for our listeners. The other reason it took DJ two months is he is really anal. I mean, the it's because baby shit is fucking ridiculous. Um, you know how, Mark, when you get married and you tell somebody that the reason why you're talking to them is to buy a service from them because you're getting married, the price tag instantly goes up by like a grand and a half to three grand easy. Like, you can I mean, have an event catered way cheaper than you can to have a wedding catered. Yeah, that's why we didn't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, so when we got married, I think our entire wedding cost seven grand, including the dress, the suit, and the rings. And I think Oh, the, honey, that's cute. <laughs> why? I'm fairly certain we were under a thousand. Yeah, I know, no, I know we were under two thousand. I mean, everyone else I know has caught, except for you and Annie, I guess, has cost way more than me. Like I know people who had like thirty thousand dollar weddings, and I'm like, you know, it's a car, right? Yeah, that was the big fight I had with my parents. They're like, why don't you just have like all this? And I'm like, because it's like sixty five thousand dollars, and I don't want to do any of that. Mm, no, I. It was a lot. So. And the, there's just so much with a baby that websites will tell you you need and you don't really need. Uh, there's one website called Bye Bye Baby, which I, I guess a lot of people shop from, and it's like a whole franchise of things. And you can go to this website, and their checklist is 129 items long. And at one point, they were saying that we needed a bassinet, a crib a cradle and a playpen. And then we needed travel versions of all four of them. And I said, fuck that. How often do you think I'm really going to be traveling with this tiny human? Um, so I, I, I think we just went with what we felt was reasonable. And then we asked people for advice. So I did a bunch of research on car seats and strollers and cribs and things like that. All the big stuff. Um, and then we had parent friends who recommended like, uh, don't put like, don't put your kids in dresses until they're like 18 months old because they hate them and it's a hassle and they look cute for five seconds and then they puke all over it. Um, we got some really good, like just purely useful advice from some people, uh, I had at one point, because, I, I, you know, the baby registry was a work in progress, and I had, like, an, a $200 high chair that, like, transformed over time with the kid on my registry. And I was talking to a buddy of mine about it, and he's like, oh, don't do that. Don't get that, because those things are impossible to clean. Go get this $35 one from Ikea. You'll thank me later. <laughs> I was like, that's amazingly useful advice. 
Um, so yeah, red. It was kind of fun putting the registry together, but there was still it, there was a little bit of stress involved. I would say uh, since we announced the pregnancy, I am instantly like at a ten on irritation anytime somebody does one of the like. Oh, you don't know what you're getting into. You're going to be so tired. Catch up on sleep now. Because I'm like, that's not useful. Get out of my face. I mean, that is like the biggest thing. I mean, I know nothing about child rearing, but I know you ain't going to sleep much. Yeah, but honestly, Mark, at every stage of my life, people have told me that I don't know what I'm getting into and I should appreciate sleep now. When I went to high school, they told me that. When I went to college, they told me that. When I moved out and got a real job, they told me that. And now, oh, when I bought a house, they told me that. And now I'm having a kid. Apparently, I'm just never going to be tired enough, according to our entire culture. So that that's that's fun. Anywho. That's fair, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so in terms of the things that we found actually useful and that we've we've bought, and, and I will do a... A, re- a redux of this category after we have a kid and I know what's actually useful. Um, so we got a crib. Um, I don't remember the, the company, but it has an attached changing table and a set of drawers. And then it grows with the kid. So it eventually just turns into a, uh, a twin-size bed. So I'm like, okay, that'll, that'll work for the kid until they you know move out. Um, that was pretty useful. It was worth investing in. We also got a bedside bassinet for the first six months so Holly doesn't have to get up and run to another room to get the kid. Um, you know, we can we can have them right there, and that should help us a little bit. Uh, we bought some shorter bookcases. I think they're like four-foot bookcases. Um, they're pretty good for baby books. Uh for anybody who's been listening, you probably know I own a lot of books. So we also own a lot of kids books. Um, so that was useful. We tacked them to the wall with some furniture anchors and then we put a bunch of cubbies in them for now. Uh, and those cubbies have been weirdly useful. Like just putting all of the random baby shit that we get. Uh, I've got one cubby just full of like bottles and bottle washers and shit like that until we find the place to put them. Uh, we did get a baby swing cause that, Every parent I talk to says, get a baby swing. You're, you'll thank me later. Uh, we went with the same company for our stroller and our car seat uh, because they work together, and then we have additional car seat bases, all sorts of stuff. Uh, I did kind of see red a little bit this week, Mark. Oh. Uh, so we got the car seat that's the baby carrier, so you can pull it out of the car and just carry it into places that you go and you don't have to like wake the kid up. Right. Uh, which is great. So glad we did that. But that only lasts until they're like 30, 35 pounds. And then we have to buy a whole nother $300 car seat. Well, I mean, you know, just speaking solely from a, a racing background, seat fittings are one of the most important parts of building a proper car. So, yeah. I, it was just like I've been largely fine with spending the money we need to spend because I, you know, kids are expensive. But it was just like a moment this week that I was like, "Fuck! Why has nobody figured this out yet?" 
so that was fun. Uh, we did get what was traditionally called play pens when we were kids are now called play yards. I have no idea why. Uh, they look exactly the same. So we've got a play pen coming in to, um, and it's largely for travel. Uh, that that's like the one travel thing that in the car seat, uh, we did buy diaper genie. These still exist. They're way different now. Um, but they're basically the same thing. Uh, getting rid of diapers. Uh, the, you might find this interesting. Uh, baby cameras have seen a huge fucking technological advancement since we were kids. So there's basically two kinds of baby cameras now, Mark. There's Wi-Fi cameras that you can look at any from anywhere uh, and access on the internet. So, like, you know, Holly and I could go out to dinner and check in on the kid um, with a babysitter, of course. I wouldn't leave my kid alone. I was going to say, <laughs> I was waiting, but okay. Uh, and then there's... Uh, like a local connection one that talks over like Bluetooth or something. So we got the Bluetooth one um, and it seems pretty cool, but it also like you can get super expensive ones that like measure your kid's heartbeat and their breathing. We didn't go for one of those. We just went for one that could tell us the temperature. Um, and that was good enough. I think uh, that was based on some recommendations we got. Uh, we got a, a, a night light that's also a white noise machine that I am interested to see if the kid gives a shit about. Uh, we found these uh, retractable drawer separators uh, for the dresser, which are super useful. <clears throat> and then the one thing I feel like was really cool that we did was uh, we went on Etsy and we spent like an entire weekend just looking at different wall vinyl things that you could put on the wall and we decided on a big white tree with like birds and leaves and and it looks really pretty uh against the green we painted the the nursery um but there's so much out there we also put winnie and winnie the pooh up on the wall um but like you can anything that you can think of it probably has some somebody who made a vinyl wall sticker of it on etsy uh, I'm just kind of astounded at how much interesting shit there is out there. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll touch on clothes really quick. Uh, don't go all in on newborn size. Uh, you can get things in. It's usually like zero to three months, three to six, uh, six to nine, nine to 12, and then 12 plus, And it goes into kid sizes. Um, We've got a pretty decent spread at this point, so when it gets to the point that, you know, the kid's outgrowing what we've been putting it in, we should have some clothes there, and it won't be a surprise. Um, the Apparently, they are still making baby clothes with actual buttons, not like snaps, but buttons that you have to put through things. That seems bad. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend who was ranting to me about parenting stuff, and he said that somebody gave them uh, a really cute onesie that had 15 buttons, and they just threw it out. They didn't even bother donating <laughs> it. Uh, so, yeah, the best recommendation I got was go for snaps or zippers. Um, the Most of the onesies uh, have just leg holes. They don't really cover the legs. You can get, like, 
footy pajamas, basically. Uh, and you can get footy pajamas that are heavier for the winter and lighter for the summer. Uh, but they also make pants that are footy. So you can you can get pants to go with the one uh, the onesies and do a, a little bit of mixing and matching of clothes. Um, there's also like hats and gloves and socks, and I feel like we we might use each of those once, and then the kid will be too big for them. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, diapers and wipes. Uh, the advice I got was stock up, but don't go nuts. Uh, I mean, wipes are pretty ubiquitous, but don't get like 50 boxes of newborn diapers cause you won't get through all of them. Uh, so we're, we're going to have, uh, a decent supply by the time the kid gets here. Um, but we went with hypoallergenic right off the bat. I think it's a little bit more expensive, but it's, you know, at least we can try and make sure the kid's not allergic to it. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you gonna make it? <laughs> there's other things like receiving blankets and swaddles and burp cloths and all of that stuff is out there. Uh, we've, we've got most of that already. Uh, and then I just have like this big other category. So this is like just random shit that I've learned over the last six months. Um, first thing, get in early with an OBGYN. Um, they, they, generally estimate the first visit around eight weeks. We didn't quite realize that, and we had a scheduling conflict, so I don't think our first one is, was until, like, ten weeks or something like that. Um, I found this out today. Do you know what the difference between an ultrasound and a sonogram is? Um, well, I'm going to assume the type of waves and vibrate. I don't know. <laughs> the ultrasound is the actual scan of like looking at the baby through the surface of, of the mom's tummy uh, using sound waves. Uh, the sonogram is the image that they get out of it. So when they print off that image, you're holding a sonogram. But See, the, I would have used them incorrectly. Yeah, I, I guess it's really common to use them in, uh, interchangeably. Um, I learned a lot. Uh, I feel like we always hear nightmare stories about food sensitivities and food preferences during pregnancy. I feel like a lot of that at this point, six months in, is super overblown. Like, I'm sure there are crazy stories out there, but honestly, uh, pregnant women get nauseous quite often, and then they tend to uh, lean back on foods that they know are safe. So... uh, Holly has just been craving grilled cheese, uh, clam chowder from one of her favorite restaurants, eggs and uh, eggs and bacon, chocolate occasionally. Like it's all just pretty safe food for her that she knows won't upset her stomach. Uh, acid reflux comes on in a real way because all the organs are moving around, so that's been uh, fun to work on. Um, there's like this weird, there's, they're, they recommend as much exercise as you can handle, but they also recommend, you know, rest and a lot of liquids. So I think it, it's all just based on what you think is safe for you and your partner. Um, we, Holly officially felt kicking around week 2021. 
So it's been like five or six weeks now that there's definitely been noticeable kicking. Um, when we went to that anime convention, all of the bass during the concert really got the baby kicking and, and wiggling around, which was interesting. Uh, and then the last two topics I had were parental leave uh, and uh, like gender neutrality. So for parental leave, it's different based on uh, your company here in the U.S. Uh, in other countries, like we've got some friends in Germany, I think they get like mandatory paid parental leave and it's like six months. It's it's pretty crazy uh, the time that they get. Here in the U.S., it's up to up to the um, company itself. Uh, for my company, I get eight weeks as the parent not carrying the child. Um, but I've also been banking a ton of vacation because I've had that privilege and COVID made sure I didn't get sick because of quarantine. Uh, so I will likely take the eight weeks and then I'll probably just go back to work one day a week until you know the new year starts. Which will be nice. It'll basically be an uh, an intermittent vacation for uh, I depending on when the baby gets here. It'll be three or four months, which I haven't done that since like I was thirteen, I think. Yeah, I mean, even if you just take the kid out of it, I don't. I found out during lockdown I don't do being at home well, so that would be a whole nother kettle of fish for me. Yeah, I my. Real goal is to finish all of the house projects that take it, that would make any real noise in the house. So I got some boards I want to replace on the deck. Uh, that's going to require hammering. I'm getting the floor installed in my office, going to do all the trim before the baby gets here, going to try to install the shelving in the kitchen closet before the kid gets here, going to do a bunch of cleaning out of things before the kid gets here. Uh, and then honestly, at that point, it's just cleaning and baby proofing and sleeping. <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm keeping. It, we've banked a lot of books that I haven't read yet. So th- there'll be plenty of entertainment for when the kid is screaming at three in the morning. Uh, and then the last thing that I want to talk about was kind of a little bit more nebulous. And it's the topic of, like, gender reveals and knowing the gender and all of that stuff. And I feel like I've got kind of a unique perspective here because I am the rainbow child that I am. Um, but I've heard that. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if you know this about me, Mark, but I'm extremely colorful and <laughs> believe in things like gender neutrality. Um so uh, Holly and I are not finding out the gender until uh, the birth. And we've got a, uh, a name picked out for each gender, which we're also not revealing until birth gets here. Uh, and honestly, like, I-, I talk with a lot of people about this. And they're like, well, don't, who, what do you want? What do you want? You know, you, you probably secretly, you know, down deep want one or the other. And I... F- feel like I'm one of the few people I know who can honestly say I don't actually give a shit because gender is a construct anyways. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to reveal it all on this podcast. Uh, DJ and Holly actually only have one name picked out regardless of gender, and it's Thunderlips. It is not Thunderlips. <laughs> Thunderlips Gagnon. It's gender neutral. <laughs> Thunderlips could be male or female. 
Uh, it's a great name. It, it will look fantastic on the bib that I have already ordered. <laughs> so, <clears throat> no, you know, it's all relative. Uh, uh, jokes aside about the great name that you have picked. <laughs> the uh, Now, admittedly, this was 35 years ago, and the technology was nowhere near what it is once. Uh, they... Only actually, my parents only ever had one uh, sonogram. See, I know now. I know what it is now. They only had one sonogram taken of me, and the doctor assured them that I would be female. <laughs> uh, so the room was pink. <laughs> Most of the blankets and everything were pink. And then I showed up. <laughs> so, you know, hey, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> what, what was your name going to be if you were a girl? It was going to be Kathy. They were going to name me after my mother. Ah, uh, Okay. Yeah, very unoriginal. The old man's name or my mother's name. <laughs> Fair. My name is going to be Danielle. Yeah, well, I mean, that makes sense. It does. Yeah. I, I think Jeremy was going to be Jessica and Chris was going to be Christina. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of difference. <coughs> but I think that's all I have for this this time around. Um, yeah. I feel like my opinions that I've stated today and my thoughts on things are going to change drastically after the mystery guest a lot, uh, arrives, but that's where I'm at today. We all look forward to Thunderlips' influence on you. Um, you know, this poor kid, I'm going to meet this kid you know, later on when it's like old enough and cognizant, and it's, it's going to be wondering why in the hell I keep calling it Thunderlips. <laughs> um, but anyway... Uh, you know, I do love the fact that we have Annie made a shadow box. She likes to scrapbook and shadow box and do all this stuff. So there's a shadow box of her and I and all of our nieces and nephews and godkids and whatever. And I'm quite fond of the one photo of me holding my infant godson with one hand as he sleeps, drinking a Manhattan with the other. <laughs> It's probably one of my most prized possessions. And I look forward to adding to that collection with Thunderlips. <laughs> so... Mark, all take right. us out. <laughs> yeah, we're done here. Um, thank you all, ladies and gentlemen, for listening, not just to this episode, but to all 90-plus episodes of The Wit & Whiskey. We're on the uh, home stretch of Season 5 here. We only got a couple more to go, and uh, you know it's been a hell of a run, and we appreciate it. Uh, we're on the better part of close to 30 now, podcasting platforms, websites, uh, you know, we have our own Spotify, iTunes, Podcatcher, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart, Listen Notes. There's a whole shitload of them. You know where they are. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes, on Spotify, on whatever other uh, podcast platform you enjoy. If you're on a podcast platform that doesn't allow ratings, you know, send us an email, whether it be good or bad. Hey, you guys suck. Here's one star and a middle finger. You know, hey, whatever, we'll deal with it. Or if you <laughs> like us, give us a better rating. Uh, we're on all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram. We have a SoundCloud with nothing really on it. Uh, we are we have decidedly not on the TikTok because I can't convince Mark to do anything on it. No, God, no. Um... I'm amazed you haven't started, like, an outlaw with whiskey TikTok, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> we also have a Gmail. It's Everything is the same. It's really easy to find. We're just the Wit & Whiskey cast. Uh, there is no H in Wit, but there is an E in Whiskey, unlike the Whiskey Wars. And we're dropping pretty much every Friday with, you know, a few exceptions. Sometimes we go every other Friday, but for the most part, we're here each and every Friday, 8 a.m., 
on the vast majority of platforms. Now that Facebook has stopped doing podcasts again, we're pretty regular again. They were just showing up at all kinds of screwy-ass times. Mm. Um, big shout-out to Nuno Henry Silver for our intro and outro music. We love you, Nuno. We're going to send you the link to his SoundCloud, which actually does have some stuff in it, and a lot of stuff, actually. And he's got books out on Amazon, so when you're buying Thunderlips something on the registry, you can also buy a copy of Nuno's book. <clears throat> books, plural. So what in the Sam hell are we doing next week? I have no idea. What do we got for topics? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't his voice cracking this time, folks. That was just him absolutely exasperated with me, <laughs> with life, with everything we've done today. Um, it's just, it's been a week. It's been a month. I think for DJ, it's been, what, 36 weeks, you said? 26 20, weeks? 26 weeks, yeah. Yeah, 26 weeks. So, yeah, it's it's been a run and a half. No, we've got a bunch of uh, different topics that we're playing through here for season five. Now, we've, we've checked off a good amount of them. We've already done dream cars. We've already done babies. We've already done disasters. We've already done whiskey and whiskey, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we did one decades in whiskey already. We've started collecting in whiskey. We could finish collecting in whiskey. We can do vacations in whiskey. We could do uh, Colts in whiskey. We could do cigars in whiskey. We could do fan theories in whiskey. Um, there's a low. We could do food and with well, we did cooking already. Why don't we cross that one off? We already did cooking. <laughs> um, live as you have it, folks. But no, we, we've got a we've got a few going on. So what what are you feeling like? Well, it, I guess it kind of depends. Like when do when do we want to see if we can get your old man back on? Well, it's gonna be. I don't know when it, it won't be this weekend, and it won't be the weekend after because I we are going a far away place. But so that one's probably gonna have to wait. I, he'll do another one, but that one's probably gonna have to wait a little bit. That might be an end of season. Just let the mic run and see how many freaking episodes we get out of it. Well, we did a DJ episode. What, how do you feel about cigar, uh, cigars and whiskey? And I'll just uh, bitch at you about throat cancer the whole time. <laughs> that could be fun. We could do cigars and whiskey. Um, and yeah, and I can even branch into, I could just dabble on pipes. Because I don't smoke cigars too much anymore. I switch to pipes. But uh, I still do have, you know, the immense knowledge of the last 15 years of Smoking ridiculously expensive cigars. So there you have it, folks. Next week, season five, episode ten. God help us, cigars and whiskey. Mm, yes, and uh, I, you know, we haven't really talked too much about it. There is a kid coming into this mix at some point. So uh, season six, season seven, wherever we end up landing when the kid gets here, we may suddenly find ourselves going a little bit less regularly, but uh, we don't have any plans today of of shutting ourselves down or, or canceling the podcast. So uh, keep listening, and we'll, we'll announce any changes we're going to make uh, well in advance of that actually happening. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, the way it's looking, we're going to make it pretty comfortably to episode 100 on a somewhat normal schedule. And then after that, it's probably going to be the Mysterious Stranger's Glorious Entrance. And then, you know, it's kind of going to be like a lot of those Amazon shows, like the Grand Tour. There's going to be just a special that's going to pop up every now and again. It's like three hours long, and then we're going to go <laughs> away for a while. Then there's going to be another one, and then we're going to go away for a while. But it's all good. Um, you know, it's that's part of the fun, and it will be enjoyable 
at least for me anyway, watching from the outside as DJ's just absolute bunny enthusiasm gets tested, shall we say? <laughs> I'm trying to be polite about this, but I, I, because I, I don't think you're going to crack, but I think it's going to be a test. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to crack. And I did, I did get angry enough at people telling me how tired I'm going to be that I have just. I have just declared that I, eat, no matter how tired I get, I'm not complaining about I'm it. I'm not tired. <laughs> I'll complain about other things, and I will be tired, and I may mention that I am tired, but I'm not going to complain about it. It's like a personal challenge now. It is. Fuck all of you. I'm not complaining. Hey, that's a great way to end this show. Fuck all of you. I agree. <laughs> so, until next week, folks. Salute. Cheers. Cheers.